Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello? Hello? <clears throat> podcast Network Asia. Network Asia. This podcast is powered by Podcast Network Asia. For more information on the shows and the network, visit podcastnetwork.asia and Podmetrics, the only analytics you'll ever need for your podcast. Sign up for free at podmetrics.co and use my referral code RJ Ledesma. Moving forward, the young people should see beyond employment. And if you are one of the people who are in this uh, viewing this podcast of RJ, I think you're one of the people who are interested in entrepreneurship. I will have to congratulate you already for taking the first step. And uh, stay there. We need all of the entrepreneurs. And I can tell you that uh, just like Cesar, Carson, and everybody, I would love to, to be able to, to maybe put in my two cents worth with you and uh, maybe share with you uh, more experiences, no? Hello, good evening, and welcome to the RJ Ledesma podcast again. Thank you so much to everybody for joining me on this truly lovely and chilly Tuesday evening. And again, over here in the RJ Ledesma podcast, I interview the country's pioneering business personalities and entrepreneurs and learn more about how they think about business, what are their success secrets, how they innovated their businesses during this pandemic, and more importantly, what opportunities do they see emerging in this new normal or what people are already calling the next normal. Now, is there a business personality or an entrepreneur that you would like me to interview here on the podcast? Please let me know. Drop me a message. We're also live right now on Kumu, CBRC TV, and Global Pinas. Now, almost every week when I do this podcast, I always say that I, I, can, I couldn't wait to interview my next guest. This person, I couldn't wait to interview for the past actually 13 years. Uh, and for me, he is one of the best developers in the country. He's known as a developer's developer. And many people in the real estate development industry look up to him. I looked up to him so much that uh, I asked him to be my godfather during my own wedding about uh, 13 years ago. And our next guest is Mr. Jerry Choa. Jerry Choa is the president and chairman of Pro Friends. And Pro Friends is one of the country's leading and fastest growing real estate developers in the country. Now, we're going to learn a bit more about the history of Pro Friends in a bit. But for those who aren't familiar with Pro Friends, they just started out back in 1999, which is put together by Jerry and, of course, his friends. That's why it was called Pro Friends. And their shared vision was to create communities and transform lives. Now, they started off as a provider of housing units, creating small pocket developments in Cavite. And eventually, they've grown the company. They've scaled the company. It now includes uh, medium-rise condominiums, uh, estates for low, medium, and higher-end markets. And now... They even have a flourishing township in their portfolio. Since its establishment and as of the first quarter of 2020, Pro Friends has built, believe it or not, 
57,000 houses for Filipino families. They're well known for their property developments in Cavite. So if you've been to Cavite, I'm sure you've heard of Lancaster and Iloilo and also Carmona Estates. Now, Proofrance currently has 36 ongoing projects and 52 completed and successful communities. How does Mr. Choa do it all? But on top of that one, uh, Jerry Choa was the past president and is a current board advisor of the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association. And I have the opportunity uh, to be with him on the on the board as a, as a board of governor for what we call SHEDA, the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association. At the same time, he was also a former director of the Chamber of Real Estate and Builders Association, CREBA. So he's been actually head of the two of the largest organizations of housing developers in the country. Now, something that many people don't know is that Mr. Choa is very magnanimous in sharing his real estate knowledge. So he's one of the only developers I know who isn't, uh, who doesn't shy back. Actually, he's very generous in sharing his knowledge about real estate development with others so that we can elevate the state of real estate in this country. He shared his real estate development knowledge to the next generation of developers. So if you guys have heard of uh, WECOM, our previous guest by Cesar Wee, Cesar was an apprentice of Mr. Jerry Choa. Another good friend, Mr. JPD, also trained under Jerry Choa. A lot of people have trained under Jerry Choa. Many people wish they could be trained under, under Jerry Choa to become the next big real estate developers. And he will be sharing a few of his insights on our podcast right now. And he will also be having an upcoming real estate development masterclass. So for all of you who want to get into real estate development, who are aspiring real estate developers, or you are just starting off with real estate development, or you want to level up your craft, we invite all of you to please join us for the masterclass of Jerry Choa. He'll be teaching a, a masterclass by Sheda where successful developer, developers will share their experiences as they grow their companies and you'll be taught by the top, top, top veterans of the industry. So there'll be practical lessons by the veterans of the industry. And Jerry Cho will be talking about five mistakes real estate developers usually make. Our first Sheda masterclass will be on March 5. That's a Friday, 2 to 3.30 p.m. And if you are interested to listen into those classes, please drop by the Sheda website. Again, that's a subdivision and Housing Developers Association, a Facebook page, and register there to get the link. Now, it's absolutely free for Sheda members to attend the class. And if you aren't a member of Sheda just yet, but would like to become a member, you just have to pay 500 pesos to attend the class. But I promise you, it is worth every peso to be part of the class. That was a rather long introduction, but I am very excited for our next guest. Makaibigan, please welcome Mr. Jerry Choa. Dean of Jerry, welcome to the Hi. show. Hi, RJ. Uh, and uh, hello to everyone uh, who are watching this. And uh, please say hi to Vanessa and the kids. Okay, I thank miss you so them much. I miss her so much already. It's been a while. <laughs> thank you so much. And, you know, you know Jerry, we've, I, like I told you, we've always uh, looked up to you because I, I remember this very clearly. And, and one of the first times that I've gone, I, I went to your office uh, to visit together with my dad is that you are one of the few developers that I saw that, you know, you were paying it forward even from the very start because at one of the floors of your building, Gawad Kalinga, was that right? ProFriends does work together with Gawad Kalinga. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Well, uh, the, the purpose of uh, 
Profriends and uh, Gawad Kalinga are actually aligned to each other. And uh, we were incidentally actually born on the same year, 1999. And um, we have been working as partners. And when uh, Gawad Kalinga was uh, uh, finding a home, we just offered the space in the fourth floor and then said, okay, why don't you take half a floor anyway? Uh, the problem, of course, is that after a while, Gawad Kalinga uh, outgrew the fourth floor. <laughs> so eventually we had to give them one whole building anyway. So we just, uh, well, well when, when my mother passed away, so we said, okay, why don't we just donate the building uh, and name it after my mom? So yeah, there you go. What a fantastic and, uh, experience. It's, it's, so it's, it's, it's really like the purpose of being able to help the common man actually, especially the poor, I think uh, this is where our alignments are. And uh, just to let you know, right now, we've got a lot of real estate developers greeting you here right now on our uh, comment box again. Arlene Ke, of course, Board of Governor and a great developer also. Uh, hi, Miss Arlene Ke. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we also have here right now, Rina Lu of DMCI listening to us here right now. And our good friends from uh, the Cheda Secretariat also uh, listening in on our show a lot of people are, are very excited. Now, like I said earlier on, uh, Boss Jerry, I know we're going to be talking a bit more about the story of Pro Friends. And I'm, I promise all of you, you will love, love, love the story of how Pro Friends grew the business, especially if you know a bit more about the personal history of Mr. Chowa. <laughs> but before that, uh, I, I know, uh, Boss Jerry, that the topic that you'll be discussing during the masterclass are the five mistakes that developers usually make when they start development to encourage a bit more of them to, to get into take the master class on March 5. Maybe we can give them a little bit of a sneak preview because you've been around the industry for the past 20 years and you've started from, you know, from buy and sell. But technically, you started from buy and sell to developing townships. But over those years, no, what were more or less the five basic mistakes that you saw being made by developers? Well, the mistakes range from the very beginning where people start off uh, a development project without a business plan actually. Uh, they see a piece of property and then they say, okay, I'll get an architect uh, or an engineer and build something on it. Or I know how to do marketing and, or I have money. Why, why not just build something? It will sell anyway. So, mm -hmm. so uh, you, you start off without a plan. That's it. Uh, you know, but anyway, the sneak preview is I'll just give you a rundown of those five mistakes, which we will be discussing anyway in the class. Yes, that's right. Uh -oh. uh -uh. So the rundown, so, I think, uh, there is uh, one. You start off without a business plan. That's a no-no. Uh, the second is that... Uh, I sorry. think it's called the third project syndrome. Oh, it's called the third project syndrome. Uh, maybe we'll keep it as a teaser. Uh, so <laughs> why it's a third project sy syndrome. The, the next one, uh, I, I lost my a, notes. Let's, but, let's maximize profit. Uh, let's maximize profit. Okay, so that one is a little bit uh, more open now. Uh, the, the next one is uh, watch the scale. As you scale up, there are normal pitfalls. And the last one is actually watch the cycle. The cycles are normally uh, when people grow, that's where you, you people fail, no? Wow, uh, in a brief rundown, that's a, a list of the mistakes. But uh, 
let's discuss them during Mark's session. Fantastic. Thanks so much. That was a really great teaser because right now more people actually want to listen to the masterclass after going through that one. And there's a lot to unpack uh, from what you said over there. But maybe the better story now, uh, Uncle Jerry, is to really tell the story of, you know, how just how big ProFriends is right now. But then going back to how did you start off uh, ProFriends? Maybe we, we can go back to, to that story, first of all. The secret origin of, of Jerry Choa, the entrepreneur. How, how did it all start off? I read a lot of stories and you've told me personally, but every time you tell me, it's, it's very inspiring. Yeah. Well, okay, maybe I'll bring it a, just a tad uh, uh, further than that in, in 1986, uh, when I started my first townhouse development in Tierra Nueva, across Ayala Labang. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. only 35 units. I had the seed capital of 1 million. Uh, wow. But the lot alone was worth two and a half million, notwithstanding that I still needed to fund everything. And uh, that place was also like a Kogon area at that time. Uh, 1986, I think you were quite young. Uh, <laughs> you? okay. That's right. Uh, then fast forward, of course, uh, all of the difficulties of growing were actually uh, were there, financing, marketing, starting off without any agents, starting off with actually just one just one junior engineer and committing all of the mistakes, no? committing all kinds of mistakes. No? Uh, and then fast forward, 1999, uh, ProFriends, okay, we started with 40 million. And uh, today, uh, I think we have grown the business quite large now. And uh, it is developing like 2,000 hectares of land in Cavite, four 500 in Iloilo. So uh, this is actually, it's actually a very interesting journey. It is a very interesting journey, but um, fraught with all of the dangers, fraught with all of the failures, uh, fraught with all of the pains, you know. Of course, uh, every time it was always nice to go through all of that, uh, all of the challenges. No? Uh, so it was, it was not easy. It was not easy. So for the guys who want to be developers, I think, uh, uh, yes, it's uh, it's always nice to be a developer. But uh, I think you have to study up a bit. Yeah. If any of you want to ask questions about real estate development, please feel free to ask it in the comment box. I would love to ask it uh, to Mr. Choa here right now. But Siganina, before we get into the story of, of you know, I want, to, I want to really get into your story as an entrepreneur because that's what people want to hear. But one thing that I came across, everything that you said, you know, many Filipinos, kasi when they when they go across the story, of, you know, I'm going to fail. I failed so much. They really feel it. But what have you learned so far about every time that you failed? Because in real estate, you can when you fail, you fail big, and I'm sure you failed in projects. You failed. You failed in um, in different things, in different aspects. What? How do you perceive failure now? Is it uh, just a stumbling block, a learning process? Can you help us understand how you appreciate failure? I I, I never see things as failure in the first place. Uh, I always see what I'm doing. Uh, not as a business, kasi. Uh, the way I view this is that uh, uh, this work that I'm doing is all about uh, bettering the life of the common man. 
from the very beginning, it was about the common man. There was one time when people wanted to buy houses. When the common man wanted to buy houses, the only funding that they could get was Pag-ibig, SSS, GSIS. Okay. And um, the kind of houses that were built then were really like built for them as shelter. But I never looked at shelter as shelter. I looked at shelter as life. So what was I trying to build in Pro Friends? I was trying to build life. Okay, so when I build houses, I try to see how those houses are going to be used. So if you see in Lancaster, okay, I noticed that uh, most developments, uh, especially during our time, had tricycle as a main mode of transport. And at that time, well, I think even up to now, these modes of transports that are inefficient eat up about 7 to 10% of their household income. Mm -hmm. So I said, no tricycle. Okay. So we developed in Lancaster what is now a shuttle system, a bus system. So the whole development of uh, Lancaster, if you see it, is actually hinged on a bus system. It's actually already, uh, it is designed to accommodate bus rapid systems to be able to link with various areas. We also look at uh, uh, the life of people when their children have to go to school. We see how difficult it is for their children to go to schools, go through the traffic and all of that, and the expenditures of having someone bring them to school and then bring them home. That's why we created what is known as a community school. We made our schools like bikeable and walkable from the residents. When you do that, you place a lot of time in the hands of the parents because they don't have to be around. They don't need to pay yayas to bring them in and out of the school. So uh, we look at the life of people. It is not about a house and lot. When we design a house, I look at how many gadgets people are going to use every day. Tablets, uh, iPhones, etc. When I look at the mother who is going to prepare breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I try to see microwave, gas. You know, you put your gas range in uh, your gas tank inside the house. That's one of the most dangerous things that you will do. So you design your gas tank to be outside of the house. When you do these things, you look at the life of people. So when you are a developer, you are not building houses. You are building the lives of people. So the way I look at it, it's really that, you know, I mean, to, to term it, it's, it's really obsessing over the customer experience or it's customer, it's really... Going, going granularly at, into looking at how customers appreciate the home and, and all the aspects which belong to it. And I just want to greet right now Ms. Vivian Vested, also from Cagayan de Oro City, part of the Sheda uh, National Board of Governors. Ms. Vivian, thank you so much for listening all the way there from uh, Cagayan de Oro. Going back again, uh, Sir Jerry, no? uh, we, we talked a lot about the, the life experience over there. But what I'm really amazed by is you keep talking about the common man, which seems to be a theme 
uh, I mean, many of us can talk about profit. Many of us can talk about, you know, uh, maximizing profit or maximizing consumer uh, welfare. But you, and, and you are very much in, in tune with common man. W where is that coming from, that, that, that spirit of that? Because, I mean, you can be a very good developer and, and still say that one, but pay lip service to it. But you seem to be saying, I'm going to be a, a, I'm a good developer because I believe in the common man. Where does that come from, that motivation for you to, to be like that? You know, the common man uh, rewards, rewards good work very well. Uh, they appreciate good work. They appreciate it when they save a lot of money. You know, when their transport expenses are uh, at par or a little bit higher than uh, monthly amortizations. Currently, transport expenses are very high. Of course, now you have another expense that's uh, actually very major, which is connectivity. Uh, I, but of course, uh, I think connectivity now is more important than food. <laughs> uh, I know that a lot of people survey that, that uh, they don't need to eat as long as they have connectivity. Uh, but this is what development should be. Every time that we develop and we put all of these uh, good things in there, people reward us with better sales. People reward us with better prices. When we started Lancaster like 12 years ago, uh, our first house was being sold at uh, a little bit less than half a million. Now our price points um, range, I mean, they, they could go as high as uh, eight, 10 million. Oh. Yeah, you'll be surprised at how how gratifying it is to work for the common man. Wow. Uh, so that now we we find that uh, we have to increase the density by coming up with medium rises already in the place. No? I think inside Lancaster. Uh, oh. Yes. Hi there, I'm Coach Laika Maravilla. Whether you're looking for a new opportunity, a new position, or a promotion, I'm here to help you land your dream job. Let me walk you through what you need to do before, during, and after your next job interview in the Get Hired podcast. Listen, learn, and get hired now. Nina, can we go back? Because, you know, this is always the interesting story, especially... When I speak with Filipino Chinese uh, entrepreneurs, and, and really it's the background, because I, I would think of you as, you know, um, with Cesar, it's sort of like second generation and uh, field child, but you're first generation. And it's a very interesting story that, you know, the you, you had to work at, at a very young age, and this business real estate was not handed to you. There's some people, the business was handed to them, but this is something that you learned. Tell us a bit more about, about, about your background, because I remember even sa lumber, ginagawa mo nung bando, bata pa kayo, di ba? Yeah. Tell us a bit more about that one. Well, that was my mom. That was my mom. Okay. If there's an entrepreneur in front of you today, it's actually my mom. As as early as uh, 10 years old, 12 years old, we were doing manual work. Uh, when I was like 15, 16, I was a salesman. I was driving the village jeep and going around uh, uh, subdivisions and selling to everyone who, who needs construction materials. You know, my mom took quite a bit of chances with us. At an early age, teenage, 
I was sent to Sambuanga uh, to buy lumber from the mountain. Wow. And I was sent to Isabella. You know, I'm, you know, being an entrepreneur, and if you want to also teach your children to be entrepreneurs, you have to take some chances with them. You have to let them go through some pains. You have to let them discover things. Things cannot just be given and then expect that, uh, you know, entrepreneurs need the dairiness. They need the creativity. So uh, you need to be able to adapt as fast as possible to whatever the environment throws at you. And I think uh, it is all because of my mom. And, wow. uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if she threw me into the sea without teaching me how to swim. <laughs> Maybe we should do that too. <laughs> and having said that, boss, I mean, that, that's great. Now, I mean, before I talk a bit more about your background, I, I like this that we're taking a bit of a detour to understand how to think like an entrepreneur because many people in the show, they, they, they keep on going, how do you become an entrepreneur? Do I jump for my job? Do I leave my job? Do I do a racket? But what, what's that mental? I often talk about the importance of having an entrepreneurial mindset, but what's, what's your philosophy towards uh, entrepreneurship? Because I know that among real estate, you know, you're also very, um, you know, you did financial, you did financial products and services and other things within the industry. How do you think about entrepreneurship and opportunity? What, what do you, how do you become an, a good entrepreneur? I think it's about understanding your, your client and also understanding about uh, opportunities. You know, I, I, I love every time that we have all of this crisis, I love crisis. No? Uh, <laughs> I worked through 83, 89, the 97 crisis, the 2008 crisis, the 2018 crisis. So, all of these crises we, we, we went through, all of those crises that I mentioned, we actually projected them. I was actually giving the space program. I was teaching in, in Benil at that time, uh, in 2006, when I came up with my projection that 2008 should be a challenging year for real estate. Of course, nobody believed me then. Uh, but of course, it's all right. Uh, I think uh, history always proves us then, okay? The important thing is that you see that when markets will change, when situations change, you need to be able to prepare for it. In 2018, before the COVID crisis, uh, our look, we were looking, we studied the cycles, and we said, okay, 2020, we need the correction. So 2018, in pro we started what was a two-year program to retool ProFriends. Of course, I did not project COVID. Uh, COVID was, um, uh, was an, uh, something that surprised me too. But the nice thing is that uh, we prepared for it in 2018. And when 2020 came in and hit us, uh, we were actually quite ready. So we were actually so ready that our debt we, we pared down our debt so much that when COVID came, our debt was already at 0.3 of equity. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, the, the, well, that's part of the class that I'm going to give. Uh, so watch <laughs> the cycle. So uh, 
we've watched the last five cycles and the we predicted the five cycles actually fairly accurately. Uh, plus minus one year, one and a half years, but uh, the Philippine economy is not too difficult to predict accurately. And just to plug again, no, um, we have our SEDA Masterclass, Subdivision Housing Developers Association Masterclass, which will be taught by Jerry Chua. He'll be teaching us about the five uh, mistakes that developers make when they start developing. We invite you to please, if you want to take the class, uh, just go to the SEDA Facebook page and you can register there for the link. It will be this coming March 5, 2 to 3.30 p.m. I just want to greet right now uh, Maya Kolaiko, who's handing the SEDA Secretariat, saying hi to Boss Jerry. What a great what great work that we're doing now over here. Thanks so much, uh, Maya, for saying hello. Uh, we also have here right now um, Boss Anthony Luteria of Filipino Homes. Dagang uh, salamat all the way from Cebu greeting us and greeting Profens. Happy anniversary. And of course, Billy Dominguez, top seller of uh, Pro Friends and head of Green Circle Realty. Hello, good evening, President Jerry Choa and partner Arjuna Desma. Congrats and thanks so much for this great interview with Jerry Choa. Uh, again, no, there's so much that, that I want to talk to him about. I don't know where to start anymore. Um, I'm going to go back again now, um, Boss Jerry. No? Now, earlier we talked about, you know, you're, you're starting with, with, the, with the lumber story with, with your mom and how she helped you become a great entrepreneur, I guess, by really uh, making you more daring and more risk-taking. And you said that's one aspect and one of the opportunity uh, that was present. Tell us a bit more about when, when developers start, you know, when, when we start talking to developers, I'm always interested, how did they start off in the first place? Especially like you, you did not inherit any land to develop. Ibang developer kasi, may lupa na sila, na pamilya, develop nila. Pero iba yung story mo, please tell us the, the secret origin ni, ni Jerry Cho. How did you start off uh, in real estate? Okay, 1986, yeah. Uh, it's a small 3,000 square meters of land in Tierra Nueva, my first townhouse development, actually. Uh, all, I, all I knew was uh, I was supplying a lot of developers no, in their construction material requirements. And when I, what I would do is uh, I would talk to them. I would talk to them, and I would go to their construction sites, I would talk to their marketing people. I would talk to to, to the owners, and they were always very, very generous in sharing uh, their experiences. No, so we so from the very beginning, it was like so many people were helping me by teaching me, and that's why to me it's natural for me that uh, uh, I will have to return the favor that. My mentors also did. They were also very generous. No? Uh, I remember one of my compares, Roli Tonko. Of course, uh, I used to supply uh, my idols in Manny Villar. I used to supply him with construction materials, uh, also uh, extraordinary state land. Uh, these were the old guys in town. Peter Tanchi. Peter Tanchi is a very good friend. No? Of mm -hmm. course, now we're dealing with the son, Sipol. Sipol, oh. Yeah, okay. But uh, yes, these guys helped me understand the industry. But beyond the teaching, I think is that we need to go deep into the actual understanding of the business itself. While people may be explaining this in lectures or discussing this with you, you need to go to the site. You need to touch it. You need to 
You need to feel the market. You need to talk to agents. You need to be an agent yourself. You cannot understand the pain of an agent that waits for a client for two hours only for a client not to show up. You need to feel the feeling of a broker. You need to feel the feeling of a contractor. You need to feel the feeling of the buyer who bought a house and then felt that he did not get the deal that he was looking for. So these things you really need to feel. You cannot just know. You need to feel. Uh, Boss Jerry, how was your, I mean, alam mo parang, para sa akin lang, no? You have to have big balls at the start to start off your own, you know, your own project at the start because, syempre, it's a different thing to learn from your mentors <laughs> than when you actually start doing it. I'm sure it was it was kind of uh, it was a scary experience, diba? So, uh, well, how did you, how did you, how did you do it? Now I can tell that story. Uh, well, <laughs> now I can tell that story because if I told that story to my wife at that time, most likely she would have killed me for for what I did. <laughs> Okay, so oh, we had a million. <laughs> we had a million in in funds uh, at that time. The property that we were buying was worth two and a half million. Uh, we needed another million for development costs, and we needed another seven hundred thousand to be able to put up model houses. So it was like one million, and I needed another 4 million to fund it so how do you get out, how do you get into this kind of business so if you're talking about uh, daringness uh, my first venture bordered on recklessness okay uh, of course god has always been with us and uh, the funny thing is that right after we well of course i took some borrowings I asked my brother-in-law to guarantee a loan for me. Uh, and then I also asked a partner to partner for 30%. And I sold two units on a pre-selling basis on an agreement that I will use his proceeds to build up the model houses. And he cannot sell it until uh, I have sold out my units. Okay, so I had to cut all kinds of deals. And if uh, the project was not successful, I would be in debt by about $4 million. Okay, and of course, my $1 million would be washed out already. And that was the only money that me and my wife had at that time. So uh, now I can tell that story without getting killed. <laughs> uh, the lucky thing is that Right after the launching, Hillsboro, then being developed by Phil Estate, was launched. And it was launched at five times the land price of Tierra Nueva. And when that happened, Ayala, which developed Ayala Alabang, uh, was selling at uh, about half that value. And Ayala, being Ayala, could not agree that its value is lower than so ergo, they increased the prices and uh, both of them just did a picking up of the prices like every other month until it reached like uh, astronomical levels 
just to give you an idea, okay, that project for every peso invested yielded nine pesos worth of earnings in 18 wow. months. So it's 9x, so sort of like 9x over there. Yes, 9x in 18 months. So that's uh, quite a good uh, IRR. So you were, you were there. It's like a rising tide lifts all boats because you were just at the right place at the right time. I have to thank everybody around. Of course, God was with us. Yeah. <laughs> As wow. you have always been with us. Okay. And then, and, and then uh, Boss Jerry, after that, okay, so you started off with you know, developing, I guess, a few sets of townhouses. How did you proceed from there? What was next? And, and then what finally gave birth to Pro Friends? Can you tell us a bit more of the journey in, in real estate? Okay, so from one townhouse, then we built, uh, uh, we, we went into uh, townhouse, uh, into housing development, socialized housing development. And then in the Valiches, that was just one hectare. So from 3,000 to one hectare, it sold out pretty fast. Uh, and Pag-Ibig was very generous in providing the funding. And from there, we jumped into 13 hectares in uh, Cavite. And socialized housing has always been good. And uh, the funding of Pag-Ibig, Peter Tanchi used to tell me, okay, because he was building the on top of the mountains of Carmona, and I was asking him, Peter, your buyers, uh, they're buying in your property and they have to travel all the way up to your mountain. How did you sell these houses to them? And he says, make it affordable. If it's affordable, then they will come and buy. And I told Peter, well, if you can sell the mountain, I can sell the flatland. So I went to Cavite. Uh, that's fairly easy to uh, know and just uh, adopt what Peter has been doing. And uh, yeah. When you went into Cavite, um, you know, did you, I mean, I know that right now it, it's, it's, a, it's a growing area. Were you there when Cavite was already peaking or just about to peak? Uh, that was uh, 1991 when I en entered into Cavite. Okay. Uh, but of course, Lancaster is a different story. Lancaster was a very opportunistic place. At that time, Cavitex was being done. At that time, it was still uh, Buboy Virata that was doing it. Of course, eventually, um, Metro Pacific bought it. No? But when uh, they were doing Cavitex, I looked at an opportunity. At that time, we were fairly growing quite fast, coming from Carmona, and a lot of the projects in Cavite. By that time, I think we had done like uh, 20 projects already. And we were growing quite fast. But what we did not want to do was to keep on growing so many projects. So we thought that uh, with the opportunity of Cavitex coming in, providing a very good transport, uh, transport uh, experience, uh, then the idea was to, to buy a very large piece of land at that time. And that was when we issued the first set of notes of ProFriends, okay. uh, issued by First Metro, then subsequently followed by the notes of BDO, uh, which um, the first set was $1.5 The next set was $3 billion. Uh, when we did that, we acquired like uh, a thousand hectares thereabouts and grew what is now uh, pro friends you know? 
it was a very opportunistic play because we saw that the transport system was going to open up uh, what is a pent-up demand for housing in Metro Manila. Metro Manila prices are very expensive. Of course, if you look at it today again, what was the experience uh, in 2007 and 2008, which was the opening of Cavitex? If you look at it, it is actually happening even more so today. Okay, if you see uh, it, Calax is about to open. Uh, in a couple of years, I think Calax will be opening. Uh, maybe as a plug-in, Lancaster will be one of the exits of Calax. Wow. Okay, and naturally, uh, we are putting in a higher density development into, into Lancaster. But um, if you look at it, the opportunity now is that with the opening of this, and also if you look at Metro Manila prices now, Metro Manila prices has never gone up in this level, not in this magnitude. Uh, if you see your Colliers, your Lichu, and all of the studies, you'll see that, uh, well, uh, BGC last sale was 1.2 million per square meter. MOA is like four, 500,000. Alabang is about half a million. So if you look at it, there is a very large arbitrage now. If you look at it, people cannot live in Metro Manila anymore. The common man has no place in Metro Manila. Uh, all he can do is to dorm in. He cannot grow a family in Metro Manila. You need to be a rich man to be in Metro Manila. So this gives us the opportunity, which is why we position ourselves in Cavite very strongly. So if you want to look at positions, it was actually very clear, and even more so today, with the disparity of prices in Metro Manila versus Cavite, and maybe even a larger reason is that the COVID experience so allowed us now to see the Achilles heel of, of Metro Manila, which is traffic. The transport system of Metro Manila is not suitable. It cannot be evolved. They are putting in 360 billion to put up a rail system so that you can transport people. You don't need to spend that much money to go to Cavite. And when you spend that much money in the metropolis, what happens is that you will need to put up all of the services at a very high cost because all of that cost will translate into taxes. It is inevitable. So you just really need to follow the economics. Incidentally, that's also my field, economics. That's right. So, uh, uh, a, has a, ma money. Uh, business, a master's in business economics degree from the UANP. Yeah. So that's you right. follow the money. You follow the money because uh, it is the core. Well, at least for me, I follow the pocketbook of the common man. Okay. But if you're going into business, you better follow the money. If you're not following the money, I don't know what 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 you're doing. <laughs>
lagi ka bang nag-OT tapos OTY? Meron ka bang mga salbahing boss at pabidang mga office mates? Nako, isa kang immortal. I'm Stanley Chi from The Underpaid Podcast. We talk about work-related topics na parang nagchichismisan lang sa pantry. It's a pro-employee podcast na relatable sa lahat ng nag-opisina, pumapasok man, petics, o work from home. Listen and subscribe to The Underpaid Podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Anchor. Kita-kits, mga immortal. Oh, by the way, it's one of the great right now listening to us, one of the... One of the great apprentices of uh, of uh, Jerry Choa, who's making good on his own together with Cesar Wee. If we come, Mr. Carson Choa, uh, greeting uh, Mr. Jerry Choa. Happy anniversary, Uncle Jerry. And of course, happy 22nd anniversary to pro friends as well. A lot of people have uh, learned so much uh, from Mr. Jerry Choa. And especially if you're listening right now, what a great story of how they got into Cavite in the first place. Again, uh, follow, following the money, understanding where the infrastructure was taking them. Seeing right now, you know, like any good economist, where it was moving, particularly following where the common man would go if he could not anymore afford uh, staying here in Metro Manila. Um, having said that, uh, uh, Uncle Jerry, I know also that, you know, you eventually moved, uh, you also chose other properties outside of Metro Manila. I know that you're sort of, your Balwarte mo, your bailiwick was really here in, in Cavite, but eventually you did choose to um, expand Uh, to other areas as well, particularly Iloilo, and you did it for a while in Cagayan de Oro at the same time. Can you please share with us also, for many people interested uh, going getting to the real estate business, how do you how do you choose a property? I, I know that you gave us a bit of an idea of how, how you did choose Cavite, but then it was it was still in development. How did you choose the other properties as well? Let's say Iloilo, which is in Car- the Carmona Estates, really a great property as well. Can you tell us a bit more of that story for that one? Oh, well, by the way, Uncle yeah. Jerry, by the way, Cesar Wee of Wecom also joining us right now. <laughs> Sorry I'm late. Just finished jogging. Cesar, thanks so much for joining us. And I'm sure all these people are loving the great stories of Cesar Wee. Cesar Wee, they were sold for you uh, a property in, uh, in his help. He was one of the project managers for uh, your uh, Lancaster property. Is that right, uh, Uncle Jerry? Oh, Cesar did quite a bit of projects. Uh, this, this guy, this is the guy who... Who, who who doesn't need a launching of a project to sell out a project. Wow, wow. Okay, so uh, in California, West Hills, uh, we never needed to spend money on any launching because he just sold it anyway. Wow. Uh, I, I year, understand. Guy, uh, yeah. Very yeah. good. I understand right now that you're working together with both Cesar and, and Carson on a project as well. Is that right? Oh, yeah. Cagayan uh, de Oro, uh, I think... Uh, We have just done our revisiting of the our vision, and uh, we are doing what is best for profits, which is to consolidate our organization into endeavors that would create uh, create scale. No? So I think what we're doing is to bring some of the projects that are more suitable for other developers to do. So we are passing on some of the other projects to them. Wow, what what a great! Uh, it must be it must be feeling great for both for the WeCom group because uh, their mentor is actually working together with them right now to develop projects with them. And I I know that you're a really great mentor to 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 Cesar because he told me that you actually fired him. <laughs> Tell us a bit more about that oh, one. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. How, how, from being a mentor, oh, yeah. the best thing for the best thing for him was actually that you fired him, and he told us that in our previous podcast. Can you make us quento a bit about that one, uh, <laughs> uh, Boss Jerry? <laughs> Well, he had just gone through into a string. 
of successes already. No? Uh, California was done, Carmona, he was involved in Carmona. Then he launched Lancaster. At that point, he was already five years as an apprentice. I told him, look at it. Uh, there's nothing that I can teach you. Everything else is about discovery because you will never be a developer by me teaching you. You will only be a developer by discovering for yourself what it is to be an entrepreneur and what it is to be a developer. You have to experience it. There's no shortcut to it. There's no such thing as uh, you start a business, you hire people, and then let them do it. No, you want to be an entrepreneur, you sink your feet into the mud. And uh, this guy did actually not just sink his feet into the mud, I think he jumped into the mud. So now I think he's one of the guys who I found to be very daring. Carson as well, you know, Carson is a, is a scientist. Uh, and of course, our other friends there, Billy, uh, Tonton, Boss Tonton, kumusta ka na dyan? All of the friends, they always teach me things. You know, uh, even up to today, I learned from this morning, I was just writing a letter to one of the students of, uh, of our school. Uh, so they write me letters and I write them write to them back. And, uh, and I learned from them too. You know, these are like teenagers and I learned from them too. So learn from everyone. Um, okay. After that one, thanks so much. Uh, I think Cesar and Carson are very tickled pink to hear their, their, their stories being told here right now. No? Let's go back to Iloilo now, uh, Boss Jerry. How do you envision when you, when you choose property, what are you looking for particularly? And why did you choose to go to Iloilo at the time when ProFriends was doing business before its consolidation? Well, we found the township model of Lancaster to be a very potent uh, development concept. So we wanted to replicate um, Lancaster into other areas in smaller ways. No? We looked at uh, various areas. Of course, there are a lot of areas that can be viable. But when we looked at the Iloilo market, we, we found, again, money. Ilongos love saving money. Yes, Ilongos are criminal in saving money. Uh, our savings rate in NCR is somewhere 12, sometimes 15%. Nowadays, it's lower. At the time that we were entering the Ilongo market, it was hovering very close to 30% savings. And yes, the market was smaller than Pampanga, but, uh, uh, well, I love the people of Pampanga too, but... Uh, I think the savings rate of, Ilong, of the Ilongos really mesmerized me. And uh, that's why we went. Of course, another thing that I really loved about Iloilo was the culture. It was so beautiful a culture, uh, very conservative and uh, very family-centric that we actually developed a, a development concept called Junior Park. Uh, for the Ilongos, uh, where you share a common part within the block. The Ilongos are beautiful people. It's a beautiful culture. And that's what I say when you want to be a developer, you have to love the people 
that you serve. Don't go in for the money alone. The money is good. The money is very, very good. Uh, but when you love them, they, they love you back. They love you back and they appreciate you. And, and, then, the, then, and then the money becomes good. See, uh, George C. also. George C. didn't want me to greet him anymore, but I want to say hi to George C. also, member of the Board of Governors of hey, <laughs> Learning from uh, one of the masters or the gurus in real estate development here right now. My master teacher, Ikanga, diba. And I remember Uncle Jerry, you telling me before that, you know, one of the best um, marketing tools that you ever experienced was that when somebody moves into the house, just to say, hey, you know, you visit the person yourself. I mean, that's that's a part of showing how much you love the people there who move in, diba. Or birthday cake. Tell us a bit. I, I like that story. I really love that story yeah. you told me. What, yeah. what do you do again? Pag may bagong, bagong, well, I could do that when it was still small and I would visit <laughs> them. I would know I would know them. The first project of Prima Rosa, I would go to the house of Caroger. Uh, I would go to the house of Gilbert. I, 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 I mean, I know them by the first things. Okay. Nowadays, I can't do that. Now I have a residence in Lancaster as well. And now I look at the foliage, the plants, the trees. You know that we have 40,000 trees already and we're planting. I think um, soon we will have over 100,000 trees not including the other foliage. Just wow. the trees alone, I think we now we have 40,000 trees already. When we look at the design of Lancaster, the trees, we don't have a signature tree in Lancaster. We have a variety of trees, all of them indigenous to the Philippines. The idea is that you have to have a good mix of varieties of trees so that you can have the right blend of birds, of insects, because all of them need to be in that environment. You need to preserve that environment because that is the environment that will keep people healthy. You have one kind of trees alone, you will only have a very specific kind of birds, very specific kinds of insects, and pretty soon you're going to have a very unhealthy environment. In, in ProFriends, we understand this very well, and we make sure that we make use of this knowledge to make the lives of people better. I think this is what has to be learned when we do development. It is about lives. So if you see our mission, creating communities and transforming lives, it is, it goes beyond the house and lot. The house and lot is a, it's an incidental component. It is the life of people that you are actually building. It's, 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 I mean, for me, to look at it from a marketing proposition, it's sort of like, it's really developing that unique value proposition of, 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 uh, of uh, pro friends or Lancaster that, you know, it becomes that everything's incidental because the ecosystem that you build is what people are investing into, not just the home, but rather the ecosystem, the transport, uh, the foliage, <laughs> even how you plan out the house becomes becomes key components. And of course, the value yeah. appreciation of the property is key just as yeah. much. We did oh. not want a car-based uh, community in Lancaster. Yes, cars 
are around, but it is based on a shuttle system, a bus system, so that you don't have to have all of the emissions. You don't have to have all of the roads and you don't have to have all of the heat generated by all of the concrete and all of the cars. You know, uh, I love clean air. I, I love walking every day. Every day I wake up four o'clock in the morning. Incidentally, uh, for those guys who think a lot, my best thinking time is 4.30. In the morning? Uh, Uncle, yes. 4.30 in the morning? That is the, that is the clearest mind time. I urge you to find your clearest mind time and use that time to contemplate. Contemplate your life, contemplate your day, contemplate on your relationship with God, contemplate on your relationship with family. All of these things you have to contemplate. Uh, I, I usually have an hour and a half of, or two hours of contemplation every day. Uh, and I do this while walking, doing my daily uh, daily walk, so yeah, all people need exercise too. <laughs> uh, Uncle Jerry, I just want to say something because I mean, Cesar's commenting right now on the uh, on the comment box, and this is the interesting story. He told me that when he was working with you, you actually fired him because he came. He always came late to work, mga eleven a.m. Po pasok yan dis nakakaturog na maaga. I I know that one. So si Cesar now he also sleeps. At, he also best time is four thirty a.m. But I think that's before he sleeps, hindi yan nagigising ng 4.34 a.m. Kundi, he sleeps at, uh, around 4.30 a.m. Tama ba ako, Cesar? Because uh, I guess that some people, that's just their their, their creative mind um, yeah, really yeah. comes out at that time, no? Find what works for you. Find what works for you. and uh, and uh, But make sure you contemplate. Oh, And this is another story I've heard about uh, Jerry Cho, and this is very interesting. And I've been to his office, and, I, and I'm sure that those of you who are project directors for Jerry Cho know this one. Wherever you go, may whiteboard or may, may, may board with a with a mark with a with a whiteboard marker because whenever he has an idea, he, he just he just writes it on the board. Tell us a bit more about that because you know people can learn about what, how how you capture your ideas. Well, uh, the way I think, well, a lot of things goes in the mind in the abstract form. Okay, uh, normally I think in the abstract, but the problem with thinking in the abstract is that. Normally, you would forget what you think about after a while because you think about a million uh, things all at the same time. So I have like in my house or in and also in my office, actually anywhere, I have whiteboards. And if I don't, if I run out of whiteboards, then I use the the windows of my house. So uh, <laughs> yes, people don't like that too much. But anyway, uh, I need to write them down, to remember them, and also to bounce them back to us. So it is good to keep on thinking and something about thinking about a good idea. The problem about good ideas is that if you think about 10 good ideas and you think about them a second time, third time, fourth time, fifth time, on the fifth time, those 10 ideas most likely are left with only one, okay? So you, you cannot think about an idea and then say, oh, this is very good. Uh, those aha moments needs to be written down, thought about, computed, and you need to really, really work those ideas. 
I can promise you that I have not used 1%, not even 1% of the ideas that I have thought about. Wow. I can assure you, though, that I think about too many things. I think people <laughs> around me know that I think about too many things. And um, so if I talk about birds and bees and I talk about uh, all kinds of things uh, beyond housing, maybe it's because I have been thinking too much. But remember that all of those components will become very important when you, when you put them together. That's In right. a development concept, there is no such thing as one thing makes a concept work. It is always a composite of so many, so many, so many teeny tiny bits of ideas. And when you and then when you put them together, it is actually just called one idea. I see. That is consolidated together. Wow. Uh, just want to point, point out, uh, Billy Dominguez, Gabriel Dominguez over here in the chat box. I mean, that just consolidates what you've been saying to us the whole time. Now people know why Lancaster New City Houses are selling so fast, as if there's no pandemic. Home buyers simply love them so much because of President Jerry's idea of, of designing units that would suit the needs of the fam of, of families. And again, no, when you step back, it's really just putting the composite, the composition of ideas into one, uh, which, you know, I imagine this one, you have the president of a company thinking of the, what type of foliage is ideal to create the ecosystem that works in, in uh, Lancashire. I've never really heard that from other uh, developers. Now, uh, Uncle Jerry, just changing track a bit, if you don't mind, no? I'd like to ask you two questions. Uh, number one is, when was that point in time when you were in development where all of a sudden you, you, you told yourself, wow, it's getting big. I can't believe this actually happened. When was that aha moment for you? By, oh my goodness, Pro France is bigger than what I expected. That, that's the first question I want to ask you. And, and the second one is, I think it's very, it's very key. It's also about failure. It's really, what was the biggest failure for you that you learned that became eventually your biggest success? So let's tackle question number one. What was the time that, aha, my God, Pro France is this now. I, I can't believe it. It became like this. But, you know, that, that, when was that time for you? Well, actually, I, I I never look at things like, oh, okay, this is success. Mm -hmm. uh, I have reached success. We have done very good. And therefore, we... To me, it's uh, about going through a journey. This is just a journey. And every day, what I wish to do is to just keep on working on that purpose. And that purpose is to be able to better the life of the common man. And every day I think about some new things. And then every one of those new things, they grow the business. And when we have something good, then we say, oh, very good. Okay, next on to the next one. Then when we see something, oh, this did not work. Let's rework it or... Let's move on to the next one. It's just like, it is a never-ending journey. It is not a success. There mm -hmm. is no end to it. There is nothing that uh, you reach for. It is just a journey. You just keep on bettering and bettering the lives of people. And uh, the success could be measured in terms of financial success, 
it could be measured in terms of uh, the kind of life that people live. It could be measured by, you know, the recent uh, pandemic, COVID, and even the Ta'al. One of the biggest measures of success that I see in the work that we have done is looking at our community actually reaching out and helping other communities beyond themselves. Mm -hmm. I mm -hmm. think that to me is success. So it is not, this, is, this was never about a business anyway. Uh, this was about improving lives. And uh, so moving onwards, I will not be saying I succeeded or I failed. I just continue improving, 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 failing, failing, failing. And uh, <laughs> that's, that's, that's what life is. And after the, maybe after the last days of people ask me if I'm going to retire, I'm going to give up. I always tell them that I'm retiring already. Of course, nobody <laughs> believed me. I, I don't think anybody believes me. Uh, maybe if I keep on repeating it, I may actually believe it, but I don't know. <laughs> uh, but on your second question, what was your second question? It's about one of the bigger failures that you've had, but which turned out to oh. be... Oh, which, I mean, that's a beautiful... I think my biggest failure was IPO. IPO. When we were about to, when we wanted to lease, and we did not, we were not able to lease. I committed a lot of errors there. I did not understand what it exactly meant by being listed. So of course I learned it the hard way, and of course uh, as we were going through the difficulty of listing. Then it occurred to us that, wait, this thing, as we now are understanding what it means to be listed, it was not just about raising money. It was going to change our company. It was going to change who we are. Of course, it works for a lot of listed companies. But who we are as pro-friends is not aligned to listing. I think we cannot list simply because our purpose is not aligned to quarterly or annual earnings. Our mm. performance, our measure of success cannot be measured purely on a financial uh, benchmark. We, if we do that, we will be shortchanging the people that we intend to serve. We cannot bargain by saying, okay, now we will not do this this year because if we do this this year, it's going to affect our returns by this much this year. Got it. If we need to spend on more topics, if we need to uh, make it a little bit less efficient for a better yield later or a better service to our clients, then we do that, okay? We cannot sacrifice our purpose for earnings. Huh? Uh, so, but yeah, so the benchmarks simply are not aligned. I know that it works for a lot of companies and I load them for their courage in listing. 
And also, I hope everyone their success. Simply that uh, pro friends, it is not in the DNA of pro friends to be a listed company. So sorry for investors, but uh, maybe we'll find other avenues where you can participate, but uh, maybe not listing. Listeners, and thanks so much for joining us at the RJ Ladesma podcast. I hope you are enjoying this episode as much as I am. Do you want to know how you can collab with your own brand here on the RJ Ladesma podcast? We use Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. If you have a podcast, sign up now at podmetrics.co and use the code in all caps RJ Ladesma to get full control of how you monetize your show regardless of its size. If you are an advertiser who wants to collaborate with us, head on over to advertiser.podmetrics.co and fill up the form. Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. What a great learning, uh, Sir Jerry. No, I mean it, it's it's a it's a nice twist because sometimes the goals of the company might not be necessarily aligned to how the stock market basically reads uh, the business, and, and it's it's very nice that that that's what occurred to you. By the way, Gus Leonardo of Pro Friends and also my Kasama Kopo, Board of Governors of Sheda. Nice one, Dre. <laughs> Thanks so much, uh, Gus, for listening to us here uh, right now and enjoying our discussion. But Me and Gus started, yeah, started the business. Yes, and yes. we thought in the beginning that it was going to be a one project at a time company. What we did not know that was that uh, one project was a 2,000 hectare Lancaster. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for sticking around, Gus. I much appreciated. So, how did how did it translate to the success? So when you realized that about Pro Friends that it wasn't meant to be a listed company and that you would continue as you were, what changed? What changed from perspective on what changed in terms of I, I guess strategy for the company? Uh, a property business, as we design it in Pro Friends, needs a longer term outlook. If you see it, our affordable housing, uh, while it is by itself a business, it, what it does is to prepare the other land bank for higher value developments. So as Calax opens uh, very soon, we expect the malls, we expect the universities, you, we expect the office buildings to come up very soon. Actually, there are already quite a bit of uh, medium density developments that are in the, in the pipeline and about to be uh, started. So the dream of what was a Lancaster that started, uh, the first phase was affordable housing. And then moving forward, now it goes into a higher uh, density development and then moving on into more commercial and uh, economic uh, uh, activities. Wow. A lot of great learnings coming out from uh, Jerry Choa again of uh, Pro Friends. And just to remind everybody, if you're learning a lot right now, then I hope that you can be part of, and if you want to be a great developer like him, it's time to attend his master class with the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association that has shared a master class. That's on March 5, 2 to 3.30 p.m. on March 5, Friday. If you want to join that class, all you have to do right now is 
go to the Sheda Facebook page. Uh, there's a link to register for the Sheda Masterclass. And having said that, from Arlene Ke uh, of, of Sheda as well, one of the great developers, a good friend of mine, our Sabini Arlene Ke, so true and great outlook, Jerry. Ultimately, business success is a result of people wanting to reward you with their hard-earned money for the good service or product you are able to offer them. Arlene, just like you, Jerry, is my model not only in business but also in faith. Alam mo yan, you, you both are my, my prayer and my faith idols uh, very, very much because you, you were so able to effortlessly combine your love of service of people, your love of business, of course, and, and your faith life at the same time. Having said that, you know, Uncle Jerry, we can keep on going longer and longer. But uh, just a couple of things as we start to wrap up this discussion. Una-una, no? una, um, you know, uh, what do you see as the emerging opportunities? Because, uh, you know, people, when they look at you, see Jerry Choin, nakakuha na lot of opportunities na dyan. He got all the opportunities now for Cavite. But I'm sure you're also seeing, I mean, you're a great guy who shares your knowledge. That means that you're not, you're generous with sharing. What do you still see emerging opportunities, maybe not only in residential types, but even in, in areas? What are you seeing emerging, especially now that there's still a housing backlog of about six to seven million housing here in the Philippines. You know, you know, I, I, I cannot understand when we talk about opportunities. Uh, six and a half million uh, families don't have homes, and three and a half million of them can afford housing. If that is not opportunity, I don't know what is. <laughs> Can you find me another market that could actually be that large? Uh, the liquidity system of the country, if we put things together, okay. You know, real estate in the Philippines is not easy. It is very difficult because, because it is not integrated. When we look at housing, we are supposed to be looking at the banking sector that aligns its products with housing. Mm -hmm. If you look at how we're selling houses and how we're designing our houses and how housing finance is being practiced in this country, I'll just give you the statistics. In the American economy, more than 50% of the financial system is rested on mortgages. If you see our BSP statistics, we're way, way, way below. And to think that we have a very, very young market. The Americans don't have a young market. We have a very young market, very robust market, and their capacity to earn is also there. I cannot understand a straight line mortgage uh, payment system where you, you pay exactly the same amount of money or more or less about the same amount of money over a 20-year period when your income growth is way beyond, way beyond that. So I cannot understand why the Philippines cannot have a graduated, a graduated amortization system. It is a question of uh, risk management. And to think that this market has already shown itself very resilient and very home-loving. We are also not integrated in terms of services. People live in houses, and yet the transport system is not aligned. In Lancaster, we had to develop our own transport system so that our households do not have to spend that much money and so much time in the traffic. 
we developed a limited access highway system in Lancaster so that there will be no traffic. Our main road is about 20 kilometers. That's about the distance between uh, Moa and up <laughs> to almost Quezon City. <laughs> and if you travel that whole distance, you can do it in about 12 minutes. Wow. Yeah, because uh, we have made all of the, of the roads like they have walls. So nobody comes out into the main road. So it's a limited access highway. So we designed our transport system with road networks that were designed for that. We need to put up our commercial developments in areas that are very well served by transport systems. It, I find it crazy to drive to a mall for 20, 30 minutes, find a parking space for the next 10, 15 minutes, and then shop for an hour, come out of the parking space for another 15 minutes and go home in another 30, another hour going home. So I literally spent two and a half hours on the road and an hour in the mall Sometimes I spend two hours in the mall, but it's, I find it crazy why I cannot take a bus that will drop me exactly at the doors or in the terminal of the mall. And then once I come down, I immediately walk to the store. And when I am done, I can click my cell phone even before I get down. And I know that I'm leaving the mall in an hour. I will already click which bus I'm going to take to be able to go home so that I actually book a ticket on that bus to be able to go home. I cannot understand why we have to waste all of that time and all of that money, uh, whether in the area of permits, in the area of land policies, in the area of uh, uh, banking policies in the, and practices, we need to get our acts together. And the common man deserves it. Uh, we cannot keep on taxing them by letting them spend more money and more time. They already have very little of both. Well, thank you so much, uh, Boss Jerry. So much. Um, I mean, the word opportunity alone is crazy if you think about real estate, as you said in the Philippines, because you know, the opportunity is just, is just overwhelming. Everything, everything that I've talked about, all of these uh, misalignments, all of these are opportunities. Anytime that you align any small piece of it, you have created an opportunity. Fantastic. Uh, you know, before everything else, uh, before we, we, we let you go, and I mean, there's so much more to take up. No? You've been a great mentor for us in terms of, of, of real estate. No? But I guess right now what I want to ask is your mentorship, not just for real estate, but for life and faith. I mean, you, you've, you've lived a, a, you know, a very interesting and challenging life. If you were to share what wisdom you've had that you'd like to pass on for, for many of these people who are future entrepreneurs, whether it be in, in real estate or in other sectors, what would you like to share with them? What, what, whether it's in real estate or whatever. Uh, what I hope to see is a lot of entrepreneurs. 
uh, entrepreneurship in this country is very much wanting. Our educational system is not geared for entrepreneurship. Our culture is also not geared for that. Moving forward, the young people should see beyond employment. And if you are one of the people who are in this uh, uh, podcast of uh, viewing this podcast of RJ, I think you're one of the people who are interested in entrepreneurship. I will have to congratulate you already for taking the first step. And uh, stay there. We need all of the entrepreneurs. And I can tell you that uh, just like Cesar, Carson, and everybody, I would love to, I would love to, to be able to, to maybe put in my two cents work with you and uh, maybe share with you uh, more experiences. No? So RJ knows how to get in touch with me. Well, I'm not too tech savvy, so uh, I don't even have a Facebook account. So uh, RJ, you'll have to help me with that with my children. <laughs> and again, yes. Thank you so much, uh, uh, Mr. Jerry Choa. Again, great developer. A lot of developers were actually listening to you right now, have learned so much from you. And just to let you know, one more reminder that the Masterclass uh, by Jerry Choa for the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association will be this coming, uh, the first one of, of several classes will be this coming March 5. That's 2 to 3.30 p.m. It will be via Zoom. And if you want to register, just go to the Subdivision and Housing Developers Association Facebook page or the Sheda uh, Facebook page so you can register for the class. It's absolutely free to attend if you are a Sheda member. And there's a slight payment if you are not a Sheda member. And then you talk about a lovely topic, the five mistakes that developers uh, usually make uh, when they start development. Just to give you a little clue, no? And, and he said he, he won't tell you about it here. You got to listen to it in, in the class. No, it's you know, five developers, they make five mistakes they make. Just as a preview, no business plan, a third project syndrome, let's maximize profit, watch the scale and watch the cycle. If you want to understand those things much, much better, join us in that class. Again, from Maya Kolaiko, who is uh, part of the board, saying thank you so much, Sir Jerry. Looking forward to learning much, much more from you. Thank you, Uncle Jerry, for your time. Again, thank you to everybody who joined us for this RJ Ledesma podcast. Again, if there are more personalities whom you'd like us to interview here on the show, please let us know. We would love to have them over here teach you more about entrepreneurship and also about life as well. Again, thanks so much. Hope you guys had a great Tuesday afternoon. We will see you next week for the next RJ Ledesma podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless everybody. Thank you, RJ, and thank you to everyone. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.